0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Your Money Your Life podcast. Thank you for listening this week as always. If you're listening, rate review 5 star if possible. Really appreciate you listening. What do we have going up coming up this week? This week, we have What's in the News. I'll discuss what's going on in the business and finance news. We'll also do our regular stock talk and discuss different stocks, how they're performing, what's going on. We'll do our Ask an Advisor section, where I break down, am I saving too little or too much for retirement? And I'll also talk about the fear of speaking about money. And finally, we have Rachel Sink, our interview guest. She'll join us and talk a little bit about her career, life, personal, finance. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoy the show this week what's in the news this week what is going on in the finance investing landscape news Um, first and foremost lululemon they're trying to make it easier for customers to admire themselves why they work out in their high priced and, and wonderfully branded leggings so they announced that they're purchasing athleisure retailer company, Lululemon, the athleisure retailer company is purchasing a fitness startup mirror, which um, is a platform where you can kind of put this mirror platform on your wall and work out. Um, and they purchased this fitness platform mirror for 500 million. I think it fits well. I think, you know, when you think about Lululemon and the strategy, the brand recognition and cult community they've been able to build and um, their e-commerce strategy, I think this acquisition makes sense. You know, you have your group fitness people, and then you have your people that are gonna be the market segment that's gonna steer away from possibly group fitness and they want to work out at home, on the go. They want to quickly get their workout in before they go about their business. Um, and this makes sense, especially, you know, I don't know the detailed dive into the numbers, but you know, this sounds, you know, feasible for the value, potential value going forward. So I do like that. Deeper into Mirror, one Mirror costs about $1,500 plus a 39 monthly dollar subscription to access their live on-demand classes and workouts. Um, yeah, and like if you think about with COVID-19 now, with gyms really not being a thing, you know, my gym is still not open. I'm running outside, but this could be, you know, a new way for people that want to just stay inside, quarantine for the foreseeable future, and they want to still get their workouts in and be able to see themselves. I think I like it. I like this move, and so we'll keep you know, an eye on what happens going forward. Um, you saw similar things with Peloton and their IPO and people really loving the Peloton bike, so that's going to be interesting. What else is in the news? I just read that Kim Kardashian agreed to sell 20% of her Kim Kardashian West KKW makeup line to cosmetic giant Cody for $200 million. and this values KKW at one billion. So Kim Kardashian came in a slightly less valuation than Kylie. If you remember, I think it was a year back, Kylie also sold 51% of her company to her Kylie Cosmetic Company to the same Cody giant cosmetic empire um, she sold their 51% stake, and that got gave her a valuation of $1.2 billion. Um, I don't know much about these you know, makeup industry companies or Kim K's or Kylie's companies, but I do know the reason why you're seeing them sell off stakes is, one, they want liquidity, right? So when they make these sales, they want the liquidity. They've built up the value of the company. So they're saying, hey, I want to bring in someone that can, one, give me liquidity. Two, help me run the business better, maybe have this Cody." These Cody Cosmetic Giants, they may have a better infrastructure, ability to help Kim and Kylie run their business. Um, As far as Cody, it makes sense. You're latching on to, and you're buying a stake in probably the biggest influences in history. Um, And so 100% makes sense for both sides. So that's something very, very interesting. What else is in the news? Sadly, for PPP loan people, the Payroll Protection Program loan folks, they're done accepting applications. Um, they're done accepting applications for that. This is a forgivable loan for people that needed it, um, and this is you know they're There's done setting after done accepting applications, and they'll now move to possibly the forgiveness phase, or the phase where they're kind of you know figuring out what forgiveness looks like for people that receive that Payroll Protection Program loan. Finally. Tax day. Tax day used to be April 15th. And because of COVID, we've actually obviously pushed it out to July fifteenth. So what's in the news for that? That means that of course get your taxes done, file your personal taxes, paying what you owe. You obviously if you owe taxes, that's when you really have to be careful about, you know, when you file, make sure you get everything in, because there is an interest rate of around three percent annually um when you owe. But obviously if you don't owe or you're getting a refund or whatnot, you want to file anyways if you can. Also try to max out your traditional or Roth IRA. A lot of my clients have been maxing out their 2019 Roth IRA or traditional IRA contributions because we have till July 15th. It gives us that extra three months that we normally wouldn't have had. You're able to make those you know, those contributions. Still try to do that if you can. Um, if you're working with me, we've already done, done that a lot. Great job on my clients kind of doing that. Um, and we've been doing a great job investing those funds for them um and you know they're doing a great job contributing and saving stock talk everyone market talk stock talk segment what is going on we just finished the second quarter um of 2020 and the S&P 500 rose 20% its biggest quarterly gain since 1998 Put it another way, it was the best quarter for stocks this century. That's crazy. And it's it's interesting to think about. Obviously, it's because we had a great, you know, we had a pullback, um, you know, call it the beginning of the quarter that we kind of dug ourselves out of. It was an epic reversal um, in, in the in the market in the second quarter. And I think, again, I've always hammered this away, the reopening market economic activity, those are the biggest drivers affecting the market Um, and that's what we saw optimism in and the increase um, of the market and the rise in the market because of optimism of reopening. Obviously, obviously, you had Fed help and, and um, a stimulus package and things that the Fed did to help prop the markets as well. Um, so that's also something to consider. But yeah, that's pretty interesting. So if you're someone that's you know investing or not sure, you know, talk to me and I can help you navigate what's next. And the big thing is everybody wants to know what's next. For my clients, we have a plan, a strong plan. We're well-diversified, we're we're well-balanced, and we understand when to make certain moves based on what I'm seeing in my research. So if you're someone that wants to have a plan when it comes to your long-term investments, medium-term or short-term, definitely feel free to reach out to me and we can have our own one-on-one stock talk and talk about what's next for you. Hey, welcome back. You're now in the ask an advisor section. So I'm answering questions, you're asking them, someone's asking them, and I'm answering them as a certified advisor so we can get some learning together. Um, the first question I saw online, It was um, the question was, am I saving too much? So the situation, this individual wrote, I recently had a conversation with a colleague about retirement and was told that I'm saving too much. My wife and I are both 57 and both and have been aggressive savers ever since my brother, institutional expert, financial expert, told us to max out our savings when we were 25 years old. As a result, we saved 25 to 30% of our income and invested aggressively over the years. We have a very healthy nest egg in the low to mid seven figures and no debt other than our home, which is a very low interest rate and, we will, and will be paid off before retirement. Our children have no student debt and my colleague says we are postponing our lives and creating tax problems for when we retire. We've never felt like we've missed out on anything by saving and have lived a full life. But there's, but is there such a thing as saving too much? This is a great question. Um, everyone has differing opinions on this, but mine tends to tend to the fact of I would say no. I think in this situation, this couple. Went about the way uh, that they saw things that made sense for their life. So they started aggressively early, which is super important. They started saving and investing early, um, and then they also, you know, did a good job of keeping, you know, fixed expenses low and debt, consumer debt low, and 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 rather that they don't have any at all. Um, and then there is that balance, right? Like, are you being too frugal for, and not living life, whereas you never know what can happen, or are you make sure you're reaching your goals? And I think you know, for everyone that, that pendulum swings differently. Uh, But you want to make sure that you are, you know, in my estimation, I'm a goal oriented person. So I want to hit the goals. I want to save aggressively. I want to speed the timeline up when it comes to, you know, different things, retirement. And then you can also, you know, live your life or have an allocated portion of your income for those things that create balance, whether it's travel, uh, vacation, different things. But you definitely want to make sure you're hitting your goal. So I agree with, I do not think you can save too much because you can always use the money, right? You're saving a lot. If you're putting money in your retirement accounts, you're putting money in your high yield savings. If you feel like you need a break, a breather or an opportunity to you know, spend, the money's always there, but you can never really, in my estimation, save too much. It allows you to hit, hit benchmarks. It allows you to hit goals. It allows you to feel comfortable and secure with the position you're at. Um, next question is something more of a, a statement rather than a question, but it's something that I hear about often. It's about, you know, again, we this thing with money, personal finance, it's hard to talk about. But I feel like I've hit something on the head where I've made it easier for people to discuss, um, easier for people to, to talk about. And so something something I hear often after having meetings or speaking events is, you make personal finance less scary, less intimidating, easy to talk about. And I was thinking about why that is. Like why is personal finance or money scary or kind of intimidating to speak about in the first place? And I found out a couple of reasons why I think that is, is ultimately it could be an indicator of our value. So if you look at someone's bank statement, you can tell what they think about or what they value based on what they're where they spend their money. Do they have a nicer place? Do they have a nicer car? Are they going out to eat a lot? You can really tell something about a person quickly by just looking at maybe one bank statement. And that's an indicator of our values. And, you know, people are very, you know, tied into their values. So we we live with it. We live by them. And so when I work with people, I make sure to have no judgments when it comes to the way we spend our money, right? Like it's if you have a goal to make half a million by a certain age and then spend it all, okay, that's your goal. And I I make no judgments when it comes to that. I just want people to be in a situation where they do feel comfortable. Obviously, you want to be smart and be comfortable, but I I never make judgments when it comes to the way people spend their money. I do make judgments when it comes to people not having a goal or a plan or working towards that and, and really sitting in a place where they don't feel happy about it. Also, you know, another indicator, another reason why people can be fearful about talking about personal finance. It can sometimes in society be looked at as a class or societal socioeconomic indicator where you sit, um, especially when you're younger in college, you're like, oh, I don't have money. I can't do this. Or when you you know, do certain things, this has a play on how we feel in our economic status, keeping up with the Joneses, looking at your neighbors, all these sort of things. And again, that goes back to me. I just, when I work with people, I make sure you understand that it's personal. It's called personal finance for a reason. It's tied into what you want, not what other people want. A lot of people ask me, what are other people saving? I'm like, it really shouldn't matter what other people are saving because their budget's different from yours, their income, their expenses are different from yours. So it shouldn't matter. You really should just worry about what you're doing, how much you're saving, what's your goal, what's your plan. Next reason why people are intimidated by finance, because the talking heads, the suits, they want you to be intimidated. It is a lot of information. You're not going to learn. You're not going to become an expert investor, stock picker overnight. You're not going to know everything, finance jargon, the words, the vocab overnight. It is a lot of information and that could overwhelm some people. When I talk to people, I make sure to break it down in the simplest terms without hopefully being condescending, but break it down in the simplest terms so people feel comfortable, understand. I try to be as transparent and show as much as possible. I don't have a meeting with someone unless I can sit on Zoom or a Google Hangout and I can share my screen and really show them exactly what I'm talking about. That's the best way for me until I make sure people understand because it is a lot. You're not going to become I will not be able to start tomorrow and become a surgeon and just pick up things and understand it. No. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of experience, takes a lot of learning and actual motivation, taking the initiative to understand it or work with someone that understands it to really get to that next level for the years to come. So that's you know how I try to approach is make sure people feel that they're getting information uh, daily, weekly, monthly, whenever whenever I can help with that. All right, folks, that is our Ask an Advisor segment. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the Finance Roundtable, the early beginning of this podcast. Really want to break some more context for you. I love the way we have these segments spit out. If you like it, let me know. Send me a message. Feedback and support is always welcome. Next up, we have Rachel Sink, the interview with Rachel Sink. Um, Again, great, great person that I was able to interview. She has a great catalog of music um, and she's a great creator with so much productivity that she's spitting out. So I thought it'd be great for one, for us to talk about her personal finance lessons. Two, for her to discuss her career, her life, art, what's going on. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview.
1: So Rachel Sink Lindsay, I love your name sing. And, uh, thank you for joining. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, one, we kind of connected over Instagram. I saw your cover for a Miguel song, I think it was. I was like, man, this is like the best voice I've ever heard in a while. So, oh my gosh. I sent it to my friend, too. I sent it to my friend, uh, Jesse. I was like, man, she can sing. And I was like, right, I got to connect with her. So, you know, obviously, you know, Rachel, you, you do a lot of creative things. You're a singer, you do some other stuff. Um, you have a group uh, that you're a part of, but uh, so tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about your background, what you've been up to, uh, what you do.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for saying that. That makes my day. Um, and I, I will say, I am just a Jane of all trades, and it's something that I've like I've finally accepted about myself that it's okay for me to be interested in music and also be interested in film and acting and um, dance and any basically any form of storytelling, which I think is really just the human experience is something that I'm interested in. So that being said, I did sort of fall uh, backwards into the music industry. I never thought that I would be a singer songwriter or in the electronic duo um, that I have been a part of for many years. And I just kind of, I put a couple of cover songs up on SoundCloud many years ago. And much like we connected on Instagram, um, a producer found me through a mutual band that we loved and I had put vocals over a cover for And he said, hey, do you wanna collaborate on something? And I was like, I don't even know how to work garage band. I have no idea how this works. And so fast forward many years, we went on a mini tour and we, opened for that band that initially connected us together which was really exciting and i now dabble in production i at least know how to produce my own vocals and i'm learning a lot more about arrangement um because i've always been sort of a diy person so i know a lot about music but i know it by way of instinct i would say rather than training and theory, and I do have some of that, and I spend a lot of time on YouTube. Learning. That's
1: awesome. okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I've, I've been all over the place, so now, nowadays, I'm really setting my sights on some solo sync music, sync okay. is my nickname, uh, dubbed by my sisters many years ago, and it's kind of stuck as my performer name, Okay. so now, working on projects that are just going to be sync. Music.
1: Okay, so you're working on some projects with Sync Music. You have some producing background, obviously a great vocalist. Um, so you got some things coming out, um, you know, uh, down the pipeline. Um, I want I want to touch more on that. So, Sync Music, you know, what have you been? You know, what is in the pipeline? Obviously, through quarantine, it's maybe you know stopped live shows for now. But is there something in the pipeline that you got you have down? there you're thinking about you know releasing doing what's going on with that?
2: Yeah, it's actually been. Quite a blessing, this great pause that we're having for me because I'm always going and doing a million projects but also trying to pay my bills Mm. um, and all that fun stuff. So I'm constantly losing sleep and having a hard time and socializing. I love people and I love having adventures and doing things. So actually having this opportunity to not have access to friends and bars and Hiking adventures and whatever else yeah. has really helped me because now I'm such a creative person and it it feels like it just pours out of me. My productivity level is a little frightening, even for myself, uh, just like the amount that comes out. So it's been great because now I finally have the opportunity to utilize that and be stuck inside working on it and. Um, and maximizing my time in quarantine. So, I guess I'm not grateful for this pandemic. Obviously, it's terrible and horrific, and I am sad um, about all the effects that it's having, but I am grateful for what I've been able to get out of this time.
1: There. I was looking at your link tree, even songwriting, songwriting tutorials. I would love to see what um, that's cool. I mean, songwriting is something like you said, you seem like a Feeler, creative, someone that produces mass um, content. So being able to teach that skill for people, uh, to, to other people, I'm sure is pretty cool um, to teach them how to, you know, find within themselves the ability to write, which is, uh, I always wondered the writing process. What is the writing process like? Because I've always wondered about that.
2: Oh man, hi, how much time do you have? No <laughs> um, I never thought of myself as a songwriter. When I was a teenager, I would try so hard to write songs in my like, angsty years. And it, um, I could never really do it. And then something just opened up for me. And like I said, I do a lot of research online and I just find it really fascinating the way that people write songs. So there's no one right way or wrong way to do it, but I do like the idea of helping people figure out what their engine is. So for me personally, I tend to start with an idiom that I like, or you know, some sort of phrase or theme that I'm like, "Oh, that's kind of cool," or maybe something happens in my life that makes me mad. Usually, I'm mad about something, and that's what uh, will inspire a song. <laughs> um, but from there, I like to explore. Well, what's the mood of that song, or? what's the main point that I want to write, or what's the genre that I hear this in? Like, is it is it jazz? Is it folksy? Is it R&B? Yeah. Um, and I kind of go from there, and I one of my biggest tricks that I actually talk about in that tutorial is cataloging, mm-hmm. which is basically making a collection for yourself of bits and pieces from other inspirations. Mm-hmm. So if I say like, you know, I really like how this guitarist uses this specific kind of electric guitar in his songs. And there's that one sort of riff pattern, but then I like this vocalist and how they always have a low verse and then a high chorus or whatever. And I kind of take that and just like throw it at the wall um, and take bits and pieces. That inspire me and sort of churn them out into my own creations. So, that's something that I recommend: is cataloging. If you feel stuck in in any field, it's a really great way to just draw from this bucket of stuff that you've created.
1: Yeah, no, that's such a great point because, like, you can think about a sports analogy, which I obviously like love sports so. Think about taking the attributes of, you know, favorite attributes of different players. We're talking about basketball, the vision and court, exactly. LeBron, the athleticism of, you know, Kawhi or something like that. Probably LeBron played for them too. But <laughs> um, you know, taking different attributes from, you know, your favorite players, and like you said, throwing that together and drawing that inspiration to really, you know, try to, you know, be the best in all those different areas makes you stronger. So I think that's really good. I really, really love that. I practice that.
2: Really? Yeah, have you
1: watched the Michael Jordan? Um, oh, 30, 30 was great. I love
2: that. I haven't watched it and I have to watch
1: it. Yeah, I watched the last dance Thirty Thirty. I really, I loved just like, you know, you'll see a watch, when you get a chance The competitiveness, that he, the way he, you know, fueled himself, the motivation he used was from different things. He pulled it from so many different
2: Yeah,
1: things. so With, inspiring. It was. I was like, man, that just, I love that because I'm a very competitive person. So I like, all right, I love <laughs> Seeing that on screen um i want to switch gears a little bit you know one question i want to ask every guest is you know what was their moment of you know personal financial clarity or what was you know that maybe led to the financial tenants that they you know they live by today but what was that moment for you and what are those tenants that you live by now when it comes to personal finance
2: yeah it's a great question because i think we all are dealing with money in some way shape or form in our lives much to my chagrin um but i would say that i learned a lot from my dad on how to be financially responsible Mm -hmm. it's not something that comes naturally to me you know being able to uh, maintain that sort of not only financial stability but just actually saving money yeah so he taught me early on in my adulthood that you set a budget yep. period and you have a budget and so whether or not i'm able to follow that at all times i at least know how to create a budget based on monthly expenses and how much i'm earning all of that um as a freelancer it gets a lot harder so i found that to be tricky but i would say the the second pillar for me is just that you're never too poor to give to. And I think that um, it feels so important to me to be a giving person in my personal life and also just, especially as far as social justice goes, I feel Mm -hmm. it really important to be making a contribution even if I only have $5 or whatever to, to throw at something. I think that that is a huge part of the core of who I am as a person that I never and I I've honestly learned that I can live off of not that much
1: you know yeah 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 yeah
2: so so I I like to be generous no matter what financial state I'm in I love that yeah
1: it sounds like a couple things that you mentioned one your your dad's started with the foundation which is budgeting I think the first thing Mm is foundation people realize is track your spending and have a budget um, once you have that set up, then your 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 vision is so much clearer, your path is so much clearer. And then the second thing for you, which was really cool, which I wasn't expecting that answer, but you know, just the the philanthropist, the giving nature which you live by, which is like um, helping people, making sure that people are making sure that you're giving to causes that you believe in. You know, I see that in two ways. The clients of mine really want to put their money behind, you know, whether it's public companies, obviously or investing in the stock market, if they believe in, or just like giving straight to organizations like social causes that's another great way to do that. So I think that's um, really, really, really great. I love those those It's helping you out. Uh, and yeah.
2: yeah, well, you know, as you said, tracking your spending is so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I, and my dad, he sort of uh, had the foresight to say to me before he told me to track my spending the first time. He was like, you're probably buying coffee a lot. <laughs> Every day, which is very true, and that is still my biggest problem is you know how much coffee I'm buying. Yeah. But I'm willing to do that over eating out. You know, uh, yeah. coffee's too important.
1: <laughs> I get a cup of coffee every morning. I started out like two, three years ago. No, I like, yeah, three or four years ago. I think it was in summer of the school year when I started investing banking. That's when I started drinking coffee. <laughs> but I don't think it, the sacrifice we make, we can choose which ones we want to you know make. So you're like, hey. I'll drink coffee every once. I need that to like get energized, get going. Maybe I'll cut back on eating out every once in a while. You know, we want to go out to dinner. You know, just this uh, yesterday because it was like the, you know phase two in New York City. So, outdoor dining. So you can you know and we can enjoy ourselves once in a while, but we just still have to make sure if we want to hit a goal, we have to sacrifice some sort of things down the line. So we want to be kind of cognizant of that. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, couple more questions. This is fun. Oh, go ahead. Well, oh, I was going to
2: say, I don't understand anyone who doesn't drink coffee. It's like a they, they seem like a superhero to me.
1: Exactly. No, I, I got on a train. I could not get off that train. Um, I, I, I got on ice coffee with you a couple years ago.
2: Oh, dangerous.
1: Yeah, I didn't drink ice coffee before that. Uh, well, let's just go back. I want to go back to your career, which is you know, obviously a buddy, a young, you know, young person, super talented. What do you have as far as your biggest um, goals? Like, what do you want to accomplish when it comes to the music uh, maybe the entertainment, writing? Is there something you want to accomplish for yourself?
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Again, quarantine has um, granted me some time to really take a step back. And I have actually been doing this exercise every morning called 10-10-1. It's uh, Rachel Hollis, who's an entrepreneur and motivational speaker started this where you write down your 10 dreams mm-hmm. and um, and you also free write about 10 years from now where you see yourself and then you write down one goal that could get you a little closer to some of those 10 dreams. So every morning
1: you do this? Or you write your- Yeah,
2: I try. I mean, I can't say that I religiously accomplish it, but I do try every single day to Write it down if I can.
1: So the goal, um, the goal change like every morning. The goal or the step, the action step will change every morning because the ten goals are ten things they have to say, right? No,
2: actually. So, well, that will stay the same until you check it off your list. <laughs> because the the power of this exercise is really just the repetition, and you're also writing it in present tense. Right. So it's it's almost like you're affirming yourself, whether it's like. I have a million dollars in the bank, or I won such and such award, or I have a happy, peaceful family life. Yeah. You know, whatever the the dream is, you are working towards that and having that sort of present tense yeah. feels yeah. like, oh yeah, okay, I'm I'm on my way. Yeah. So, um, so in doing that, I've just realized career wise, there's a lot that I want to accomplish. I love acting and performing I love singing and performing in that way I love writing and creating and all the things but I think what it comes down to is one I want to create meaningful art that has impact Mm -hmm. um and not saying that I want to be some sort of global sensation or anything like that but I would like to create something that feels satisfying for me and meaningful to me but also carries some weight with others and has some sort of effect on them because that's how I feel when I go see you know a great movie or a piece of theater or what have you it's like it feels core shaking to me Um, so I'd love to have a, a part in doing that for others and then I think also I would just want to have a full-time career of fusing music and film together Mm. so I'm working on a lot of side projects you know like the the sync music and uh amping up on the the acting but also working on other projects that whether it's a short film or just little sort of web series type endeavors um just to get it going like I said I have a productivity problem (laughs) I can't, I can't be stopped <laughs>
1: no, no, I like to stay connected with you all your links uh, where can you find you on social media and we really follow what you do
2: yes so people can mostly find me at my most active on Instagram at think Sync. Sink. Uh, sink is spelled like the kitchen sink so think S I M K. and I'm also on Twitter um, think Sync on there as well and I will be um, building a Spotify page and all that. I am on Spotify as Sync just with some um, collaborations that I've done. But I will have some solo music coming out at some point. So you can keep an eye out for that.
1: Yeah, super excited for that. Um, well, hey, I appreciate your time. Thank you for you know, giving us time to talk about what you're doing. I really appreciate you.
2: Yes, of course. I appreciate you too. Thank you so much.